0: Okay, hello friends. So we're back for uh, what we would call in uh, per atomic habits, it is the second law. So yes, I'm back on video and podcast. So whether this be your drive time, your laundry time, your jog time, your bath time, whatever it is, I hope that you'll join in in this conversation because it is super interesting. Again, we're in this space where we don't necessarily always agree about what um, what you take and what you leave out of this secular book, Atomic Habits. But this is such a healthy conversation, and I'm enjoying being a part of it. Um, okay, so interestingly enough, in this second law, there's a lot of things that um, I can see as valuable points. It's not necessarily um, theology. It's just some basic things that we can understand about ourselves and how easily we are manipulated. So it talks about... uh uh, in this second law something called a supernormal stimuli uh, and what that is is a heightened version of reality so I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit here I promised last go-around I was gonna read a little bit more out of this book and and then balance it that way so humans are prone to fall for exaggerated versions of reality junk food for example drives our reward system into a frenzy after spending hundreds of thousands of years hunting and foraging for food in the wild The human brain uh, has begun to place a high value on salt, sugar, and fat. Such foods are often calorie dense and they were quite rare uh, when our ancestors were roaming, um, you know, hunting and foraging and that sort of thing. Um, when you don't know where your next meal is coming from, eating is, uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm getting my words mixed up here. When you don't know where your me- next meal is coming from, eating as much as possible is an excellent source or strategy for survival. Today, however, we live in a calorie-rich environment. Food is abundant, but your brain continues to crave it like it's scarce. You see the problem here? Placing a high value on salt, sugar, and fat is no longer advantageous, but the craving persists. And so this is where we sit. So it also goes into something called dynamic contrast. And this is where the food industry, the drug industry as well, any industry these days, is trying to train you to crave their products. Now how the food industry works is, uh, what they do is make they have this combination of sensations, like crunchy and creamy. Imagine the gooiness of melted cheese on top of a crispy pizza crust or the crunch of an Oreo with the smooth in the center. Uh, and a joke saying, uh, with natural unprocessed foods, you tend to experience the same ses- sensation over and over. So we're not gonna be saying like, how's that 17th bite of kale? Uh, that's not where we're gonna be headed. Uh, uh, you're, after a few minutes, your brain loses interest And you begin to feel full. But foods that are... And speaking of in relation to kale. But foods that are high in dynamic contrast keep the experience novel and interesting, encouraging you to eat more. In other words, we bore easily... And so we um, deal with that by eating foods that we consider boring. But if we, as, as the health and wellness coach, I'm just gonna venture off right here. If we would in, um, educate ourselves, on the value of foods we would not bore uh we would uh, the value value of god's pharmacy we would move over into uh being excited about what he made for us to heal and we would think of things differently it takes a long time to get there but at the same rate that you could move like we've done through generations of building up this um uh resistance towards good food we can build up the resistance towards bad food in the same way so um there is i've been talking about this for years and i love that i finally found this in this book talking about there are Harvard-trained mathematicians and their names are Dr. Bliss and what they do is they create what's called a bliss point in a product and it's the precise combination of salt sugar fat that excites your brain Uh, and so that's a very real thing that we have to recognize so I appreciate them drawing this uh, to our attention one of the things that it's doing or what is what the gear is is to have a dopamine reaction Uh, and this is the precise uh, it well it says here the dopamine driven feedback loop and this is the scientist can says that scientists can track the precise moment a craving occurs by measuring the neurotransmitter called dopamine and that's where it spikes that excitement one thing that's interesting about dopamine is that it's produced in the expectation of something and not necessarily in the actual encounter with something we get excited about something and if you ever figured or watched yourself how you're so excited about doing something and it's not as great as you thought it would be um but it's the thrill that a thrill of the thought that pushes you towards it um again and again this is a lot of alcoholics continue to be alcoholics because they hate being alcoholics. But that dopamine rush of thinking about the numbness or whatever, same thing with sugar, same thing with all the things that we do, sex, porn, all the things, we're driven by that dopamine from the beginning. And it's getting that under control uh, that's important. Uh, and, and this is where I, I will step aside and say, we're made with fear and wonder. I keep thinking about this over and over in Psalm 139. Uh, he knew me. he knit me together in my mother's womb. He knew me from the very beginning. So the thing is, he's the only one that can truly train the dopamine. And it's us, though, that has the power of surrender. What do we surim- surrender to? So uh, again, it says dopamine is released not only when the when you experience pleasure, but also when you anticipate it. Uh, gambling addicts have a dopamine spike right before they place a bet. Not after they win. Cocaine addicts get a surge of dopamine when they see the powder. Not after they take it. And so uh, it is. what it comes down to is anticipation of a reward. Not the fulfillment of it that gets us into action. Y'all, you know, it's so interesting to me. What do we see as a reward? What do we pay attention to? And what gets us the most? And, you know, on a superficial, selfish, personal level, it's the stuff. But the further we grow in relationship with the Lord, pleasing Him becomes a reward to us. And and I'm not trying to sound all super, super spiritual or anything. That's just truth. That's the way He created us to be, to recognize His reward. So have you ever thought that very possibly He created that dopamine to respond to the excitement of waiting on Him? Do we understand that waiting is one of the greatest forms of fellowship with Christ? And so, uh, he creates that. He has created that us in that, uh, that in us. Uh, and I think that's one of the mysteries of relationship with him. It's a mystery up until you get into that deep relationship with him and you begin to understand that he is what is most excitement and what is most fulfilling. Uh, so then, okay. Uh, It comes over several pages uh, still in the second law. It says desire is the engine that drives behavior Behavior every action is taken because of the anticipation that precedes it It is the craving that leads to the response this to me Highlights James 1 like it's James 1 is stamped all over this Desire is the engine that drives our behavior. That's true. And James says though that desire gives way to sin and sin gives way to death and so we understand that we cannot trust our feelings our feelings are not the measure by which we should do everything because with that then we become um, well. we die and we're not dying to ourselves we're dying with ourselves and that's not valuable for the expansion of the kingdom of heaven and the glory of God And I know it's like, well, Rachel, I actually have had, you know, I've had this thought myself. I've had other people say to it, at what point, why is everything about God? Well, because everything belongs to Him. He created everything in the earth and under it. And so if we try to pull other parts aside and say, I'm going to give this part of my life to God, but not this part, then we are, what is it? Lukewarm. And it's very clear that the Lord wants nothing to do with that lukewarm behavior. Um, he's going to, as it says, spit you out of His mouth. So, um, anyways, there was a there was a quote I was going to come to in here, but I can't remember. So, anyway, keeping y'all again, I will promote this book every time, all day long, Mama Bear, with all the good stuff on it. I'm hanging out in the self helpism chapter right now, but again, okay, so. Um, Let me come back to my main thought right there. I'm scrambling around. So back to that desire in James 1 so what is it that we need to do? We need to trust the Lord. We need to be in relationship with him and endure with him as not just as we go through hard times. And I was just talking about a second ago. Did we ever think that fellowship is some of the greatest, um, relationship or excuse me, waiting is some of the greatest fellowship that you can have with God. This comes out of a book called Waiting for God by Andrew Murray. And, um, and, and this is that space where you recognize that as you take those desires captive and you move into the waiting for what God wants you to do next is you actually grow, you flourish, you bloom in that relationship and then you don't need to do the things that you love as much anymore. You don't need to drink to comfort, eat to comfort, pill to comfort. Uh, You go to Christ for healing first, as opposed to the pills first. Now, disclosure there, as always, that's not me saying you are a bad person if you take pills. That's not it. The Lord, I believe, has provided that as an option for us. But remember, options. You have options available. And first and foremost, should be going to Christ and asking His direction on what He'll have you do next, going and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. Um, and so listen, I could go on and on and on because there's mounds of highlights in here. And it's funny because I was coming through and I was highlighting, uh, in or underlining in red, what I didn't agree with and highlighting in green, what I did agree with. Um, uh, but there's, there's, so the pages are just all inked up. Um, see, I'm just all over the place here. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to come here. Uh, It says, all day long, you are making your best guess of how to act given what you've just seen and what has worked for you in the past. You are endlessly predicting what will happen in the next moment. And I I underline this in red because I said, what's dangerous about this is us um, trying to decide what can or should happen all day long and not trusting the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us and moving in that concept of blind faith. I don't believe in blind faith um i believe our faith is based on the pattern and perfection of god and jesus throughout scripture by the way jesus is in genesis y'all read the bible and let it bless your heart um but that blind faith now we do have scripture that says um blessed are they who believe without seeing this is talking to doubting thomas because he was doubting and he needed to see the scars in Jesus' hand to believe it was actually him. And he says, here, you can see, it's fine. But blessed are they who uh, believe without seeing. We also have the scripture that is, um, uh, oh gosh, I just went blank. Um, uh, But what we do, not based on what we, oh gosh, I just went blank. Just then, well, scratch that one. I'm sure those of you who are listening are like, I know what scripture I'm talking about. But you know, it's saying... Um, that we need, we do need to have faith. We do need, do need to have a faithful relationship with God. And not always are we going to be able to see the unknown. This is a God outside of space and time who is invisible. So sometimes you're not going to be able to see. But we can see through this massive book right here that gives us so much instruction and encouragement. So we look at the pattern of God. It goes on to say our behavior is heavily dependent on how we interpret the events that happen to us. Okay, I underline that in green because I agree so much right there, and that right there is is where we can see, um, we where what we are heavily dependent on, what our hearts are heavily dependent on, is on man. Or is it on God? Are we leaning, are we interpreting the events through a biblical lens, through a biblical worldview, or through a secular lens, a secular worldview? And if we're doing it through a book like Atomic Habits, it's gonna fall apart every time. Because again, we're going back to self-sufficiency and what then what we can do to fix the situation, how we can be the Messiah of any certain circumstance, and that's not gonna be valuable, it's actually gonna be super dangerous. And so if we interpret the events through the biblical world lens, through the sovereignty of God, then we're gonna actually be able to rest in the comfort of His glory and His goodness it doesn't mean that our bodies are going to always respond with chipper joy uh, or chipper excitement, um, but we can, as Christians, have the both-and world where we live in. Uh, there can be deep sadness and explicit joy in relationship with Christ that coexist. Uh, and, uh, anyways, I'm saying a lot of ums and ums and ums today because, goodness, there's so much. So, anyways. Uh, The specific cravings you feel and habits you perform are really an attempt to address your fundamental underlying motives. Absolutely. It's taking captive uh, and making it obedient to Christ and asking the Lord to uncover. And I wrote this prayer in here. Lord, uncover, reveal, test me, try me. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Not me as salvation, not my idea, opinion, or concept of salvation, but of thy salvation. Uh, and and in that, he is the glory and the, all the things. So, okay. Okay. Uh, It says, uh, reframing your habits to highlight their benefits rather than their drawbacks is a fast and lightweight way to reprogram your mind and make a habit seem more attractive. 100%. And you know what this is? The Lord has taught us the name of this habit uh, to reframe. It's called gratitude. Live in grateful prayer. Go before the Lord saying, thank you. For this circumstance, uh, sweet Diane said to me as I was asking her her thoughts on this spot. If we were to get into the place where we're changing our words from you don't have to do something like dishes, laundry, um, submission to your husband, you get to. This is a part of us and if we want to be the Proverbs 31 woman, we'll stop relying on this and we'll start relying on that strength and dignity, which is God's word, which is the oil of gladness. And that is how we can laugh without fear at the future. That sounds crazy, but if we can do all things through Christ, then that's possible too. I mean, I don't mean to sound like I'm talking down to anybody. I'm just saying, like, this is possible girls. We can live in gratitude. We can live in that space. So it gives an example. Of a guy in a wheelchair and he says, uh, more or less he's saying to him, I'm so sorry that you're confined. He says, I'm not confined to my wheelchair. I'm liberated by it. If it wasn't for my wheelchair, I would be bed bound and never able to leave my house. Y'all, I'm telling you what, uh, and it's sort of like our lives. If we see scripture as our crutch, as our wheelchair, if it weren't for that, we would be bound in death for the rest of our lives. I made a note to myself down here. We believe weakness is shameful and resources that God provides uh, are only for the pitiful. Our response to help is often prideful based on a need to be self-sufficient. This is just what we keep coming back to. And what does it say, y'all? When we are weak, He is strong. That's just the truth. Okay. Uh, So anyways, I'm going to read this last, then I'm going to get off here. The key to finding and fixing the causes of your bad habits is to reframe the associations you have about them. It's not easy, but if you can reprogram your predictions, you can transform a hard habit into an attractive one. And so this here, and I don't disagree with that statement. I know that they're founding it on a complete other idea. But what I take from that right there is response based on a love relationship with the true and sovereign king will help you every time reframe repackage uh, and you will be not just this reframing in your own context but you'll be moving towards restoration and full redemption in Jesus Christ and y'all that's the only way for things that are hard to become simple in him Uh, okay so uh, I said I was going to read that I was going to get off here last thing I promise so in in Mama Bear she's talking about the remedy it says um, simply stated the remedy for our problems according to self-helpism according to books like Atomic Habits is self-discovery whatever has been stolen, broken or remained underdeveloped is within us waiting to be found and once we finally tap into it the life we were meant to live will be within our reach and we understand that's not true Um, and of course this goes into self-love and all kinds of different things like that. Um, and so, uh, I, I love this sentence right here. Uh, it says psychology must always bend the knee to theology. That's it. God is sufficient. Jesus is sufficient. The Holy Spirit is sufficient they triune God are sufficient and they will sustain you and they will increase you and provide everything that is necessary according to their riches and glory not according to what you have decided we have decided should be and created in our own minds as this euphoric perfect world I tell you what, eternity is the only perfect world. And so, what are you doing today to increase your relationship or asking God to multiply himself in you and through you? That's the baseline. Okay, there's a few more weeks to go for this. This is exciting to me. I hope you're following along. And like I've said before, I would love to have further discussion. So, you can either reach out to me personally or in the Facebook post or whatever. Um, Feel free to reach out so that we can talk. All right. God bless you, friends. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.